The estimated value was around 2 million euro. However, some of the books were so rare that their value couldn't be estimated. Welcome to the Europol podcast, the official podcast of the EU Agency for Law Enforcement Cooperation. In this series, we shine a light on some of the biggest operations Europol has supported and how we continue to fight organized crime. Today's episode, Recovering Stolen Heritage. The illegal trade in cultural goods is a complex crime area. It revolves around three main phenomena. There's theft, when original cultural goods are robbed from their owners or caretakers. There's looting, the removal of ancient relics from archaeological sites and old buildings. And then there's forgery, the illegal imitation of cultural goods. Each is a serious crime, and cultural goods in general are always in demand. The profit margins are very high, making the crime area very attractive for organized criminal networks. What's more, it is usually transnational by nature. The criminal groups involved are acquiring the illicit goods in one country before selling them overseas. As a result, tracking the actors involved requires immense cross-border cooperation, along with complex data analysis. That means EU member states, and law enforcement from outside of the EU as well, often call on Europol for assistance with tracking down the criminals involved. The case covered in this episode is about a theft of cultural goods that was truly historic. A transnational organized crime group managed to steal a consignment of books worth over 2 million US dollars from a warehouse in the United Kingdom. And these weren't just any books. They were priceless first editions from greats such as Galileo Galilei, Isaac Newton and Francisco Goya. This is the story of how British, Italian and Romanian law enforcement, with the support of Europol, managed to track down the criminals and get these priceless treasures back to their rightful owners. The heist that happened was on the 29th of January 2017, and it was at a customs warehouse in Feltham in London called uh, Frontier Forwarding. This is Andy Durham from London's Metropolitan Police. My name's Andy Durham, and I'm a detective inspector on Specialist Crime South Proactive at the Metropolitan Police in London. Andy was one of the experts dispatched by the London Metropolitan Police, also known as the Met, over the course of the investigation into the heist at Frontier Forwarding. It's a location where goods that are being transported around the world come together and get um, lumped together before being sent off to a further destination. And it was in the middle of the night that uh, that uh, location was targeted by individuals that used wire clippers to break through the fence that surrounds it, climbed up drain pipes uh, to the side of the warehouse to avoid any of the security systems and cameras, alarms. They then used tools to cut holes in the warehouse ceiling or the warehouse roof. And um, I mean, the warehouse was you know, a good sort of 30 metres uh, in height, probably in excess of that. And they've then used ropes that they've brought with them to lower themselves down into the warehouse. Again, they've avoided cameras and alarms uh, within the warehouse. And then they've spent several hours inside that warehouse finding the items that they were, they were there for. 
They stole a couple of hundred rare antiquarian manuscripts and books that were on their way to a, a book fair in the United States of America. Avoiding alarm systems by drilling through the roof and then abseiling down to reach their loot sounds like something out of a film. Yet in this case, it really was the criminal modus operandi, and they got away with goods valued in the millions. So the following morning, when the offence was identified, the Met were called, and uh, it was the local police officers that were the initial responders. Very soon they've realised that this was quite a audacious crime by you know, an organised group. And when the actual items were identified, what had been stolen, it raised the sort of profile of the offence. The, the items that were stolen were of uh, huge sort of cultural as well as um, financial value, you know, with international interest. The thieves had gotten away with over 200 volumes, which were hundreds of years old. Among them were first editions of writers such as Galileo and Newton from the 16th and 17th centuries, so old that they even included handwritten notations from their authors. The criminal profits would likely be enormous. Irreplaceable treasures apparently lost to organised crime. The work to get them back began in earnest. This is Luigi Mancuso, and he is a senior law enforcement agent working here at Europol headquarters. My name is uh, Luigi Mancuso. I'm a specialist uh, working in the operational department in the field of cultural goods crime. And he is passionate about fighting the organised crime networks behind thefts like the one in this episode. Generally speaking, uh, the impact of art crime is uh, relevant on the society. Art crime uh, not only impoverishes uh, countries of their uh, collective memory and their uh, artistic heritage, but at the same time fuels organised crime groups and it is linked to other crimes, for example, money laundering. Um, just to give some example, uh, in recent years, uh, some uh, spectacular art thefts affected the um, European countries, uh, like, for example, uh, the theft of uh, Van Gogh painting uh, in the Netherlands, the burglary at the Green Vault Museum in Dresden, as well as the most recent uh, robbery at theft in Maastricht. And uh, we are speaking of millions of euros. So, this is uh, definitely not a petty crime. Luigi was in charge of facilitating the international collaboration on this case. The investigation was international by nature, since it was expected that the stolen goods would be transferred outside of the UK. And Europol is here to facilitate investigations into complex cross-border crimes. Cooperation among the countries started from the very beginning because we had a first Siena message in 2017, in the March 2017. Siena is our secure platform hosted by Europol that allows countries to exchange operational information in a very safe way. So we had uh, this first message in uh, 2017 and uh, then uh, the, the cooperation started uh, at first uh, between uh, UK and Romania and then uh, Italy joined later uh, because they were also linked with Italy. And it was then established a joint investigation team. Europol specialists and analysts were now supporting the case technically and financially and a major international investigation was truly underway. The organised crime group behind the heist were professional thieves, 
and this showed with the lack of evidence they left at the scene. Here's Andy from the Met again. So it was pretty much a blank slate. Some um, bags that had been moved and it was, uh, so we, we hoped we'd get some forensic opportunities um, from the site, but that wasn't forthcoming. So we really, it was from pounding the streets. The officers were doing CCTV trawls in the area to try and identify who had been moving about. The Met's persistence paid off and they were able to extract a lead. It was a relatively quiet area during the night. And as a result, a particular uh, vehicle could be identified from CCTV. And it was identified that that car stopped and two vigils got out, which tied in with the sort of offence times. So from that camera work, could identify what kind of car it was. And from subsequent uh, ANPR, so automatic number plate recognition, to identify what specific cars of that particular make and model were in the area at that time. As a result of that, we were able to track that car's movement across London after the offence and then subsequently get some further CCTV of the car start parked up in another part of London and um, in fact catching some of the subjects carrying these uh, 16 holdalls. So we were suddenly able to confirm that that car was definitely involved and from then further investigation work in relation to that car uh, that car was linked to a Romanian individual on the insurance, and that really s- sort of snowballed from there. Further digging by law enforcement found transactions and travel, linking this person to other Romanian individuals. And soon the detectives realised they were definitely dealing with a serious organised crime group. And they were part of an organised group that was involved not only in uh, art crime, but uh, in several uh, robberies and burglaries in the UK, and uh, was linked uh, to other uh, criminal groups in the eastern uh, part of uh, Romania. And uh, by exchanging this information and uh, building uh, an intelligence picture of this group, uh, we were able, after uh, two years, uh, at the end of June 2019, to organise a first action day. The agencies figured out that this was the latest in a series of offences committed by this group. They'd been targeting other warehouses in the UK with a similar modus operandi, drilling through roofs and ceilings to bypass alarm systems and steal high-value goods. What this meant for law enforcement was that there appeared to be a conspiracy. The criminals were conspiring to commit several crimes, and this is something you can be arrested for. A major action day was planned between the British and Romanian authorities. 50 house searchers, uh, 15 suspects uh, were arrested. To coordinate such complex operation, uh, it was created a coordination centre at Europol. A coordination centre is the name Europol gives for a dedicated office that is set up to accommodate multiple national law enforcement agencies during an action day. A police operation performed at the same time in one or more countries. The Coordination Centre enables rapid investigation and information sharing, and in a complex investigation like this one, where police are analysing all kinds of data together, Coordination Centres are a crucial asset for enabling law enforcement cooperation. It was uh, very early in the morning over in the UK when we took that action. I was in the Europol command room in The Hague with um, operational leads and uh, Europol analysts and support staff, and we were able to get uh, live updates from all three countries um, through to that control room and um, able to sort of coordinate activity and results from that room. However, the action day delivered more than only arrests. Police were also able to seize documents because the investigation was ongoing. 
After all, the kingpin was still at large, and most importantly, the books were still missing. But, uh, you know, like any good story, the head of the group was able to stay at the loot. And so the investigations in order to track him down were then enlarged to Italy too, because uh, in the um, previous uh, intelligence, uh, we understood that he had some link to Italy. This is Luigi Lubello, and he played a pivotal role in this investigation, working as the bridge between Italian and Romanian authorities. I am uh, Luigi Lubello. I am a lieutenant colonel of uh, Italian Carabinieri, and I'm a liaison officer deployed uh, in Romania uh, as part of a big network of liaison officers uh, under the umbrella of the Italian Criminal Police. We um, attended a few operative meetings with Romanian colleagues, and then we decided also to involve a specialized unit from the Italian Carabinieri. It is called the Unit for the Protection of Cultural Heritage. So it's an operative unit uh, uh, dedicated to this kind of uh, crime. From his unique position, and with the specialized unit of the Italian Carabinieri behind him, Luigi could begin looking deeper into the possible Italian connections of the kingpin. He was really smart and able to avoid any trace, almost at the limit of the paranoid in his habits. So it wasn't so easy for my colleagues to track him. However, the investigators in Europol's coordination centre were able to look into persons of interest surrounding the suspect. After open source intelligence and also human intelligence, we realized that uh, he already had connection with Italy because uh, he was married and uh, his ex-wife lived in Italy. So we started to develop all possible way in order to track him down. And in fact, the intuition was good because uh, he mm, found hospitality in Turin. It's a big city in the north of Italy. And so Carabinieri, for the protection of cultural heritage, started this surveillance for a long period of time. And then uh, they had this confirmation. He was there. He was in this uh, apartment hosted by two other Romanians. Maybe his mistake was to go back to his ex-wife. Law enforcement had the address. It was time to call in the specialist crews who could carry out the search and apprehend this dangerous suspect. So we asked for the support of uh, aerial support and canine unit and of course patrol units in uniform and also in disguise as well. We had the support of a chopper with special camera that uh, are able to zoom. Like, uh, you know, you were able to see the clearly the number plates of the car and everything. So it's really important to have this kind of support from above. Italian authorities went ahead with their search. At the address in Turin, they found their suspect, as well as a trove of data that would help the search for the missing books. The kingpin, the last member of the criminal group to evade capture, had been apprehended. From Europol's coordination centre, Italian, Romanian and British authorities supported the action day and set about working with the new evidence. The investigation illustrated uh, is a result of an excellent international cooperation between the police authorities of the United Kingdom, Italy and Romania, of course with the support of Europol and Eurojust. So we learned that the investigation, the international cooperation is vital. And the joint investigative framework in this case uh, has provided uh, the judicial authorities uh, 
involved of the three countries with all the tools of analysis through Europol. With the kingpin apprehended and most of the gang arrested, authorities had one major task left, finding the two million euros worth of stolen books. The work to recover the books had begun as soon as the theft was reported and Romanian authorities got an early lead on where they might be headed. That was a date to remember. It was 24th of February 2017. I was uh, involved in another serious investigations within a directorate for fighting organized crime and terrorism. This is Tiberius Mania. Hello, my name is Mona Tiberius. I'm working for Romanian Criminal Investigation Directorate within the General Inspectorate of the Romanian Police. Tiberius' work on the case began when crucial evidence came to Romanian authorities. The case prosecutor received an anonymous phone call saying that a Romanian gang is involved in a burglary committed in the United Kingdom and the books value or approximately two million pounds were stolen. The anonymous caller was offering a solid foundation for Romanian authorities as they began hunting the stolen books. They mentioned the criminals' nicknames. So uh, no uh, real identities, but uh, some of the nicknames were very familiar for the case prosecutor because uh, she was uh, dealing with that uh, person, that uh, individual, previously in uh, other major investigations when uh, she prosecuted some of the offences for uh, traffic on human beings. Knowing about this possible connection, the Romanian police got onto their trail very quickly. A police investigation began and wiretaps were put in place. One of the most important things for us was that not to have the same situation like in uh, other cases where the suspect, in order to uh, not to be caught, they burned some paintings like Van Gogh or like uh, other famous uh, painters. The destruction of stolen items as a means to avoid being caught with them is a major risk when trying to track down cultural artefacts and artworks. So the law enforcement agents at Europol's coordination centre got to work with what information they already had. What we knew was that on the 6th of February, the suspects entered Romania by the van, and uh, we presumed that they travelled throughout Romania and then in a certain point they uh, actually hide the books. So we went from 6th of February till minute by minute, second by second, throughout um, uh, phone calls, uh, data, and we puzzled all the other info from the video cameras, road video cameras, or any other data that we could do. And we came up with two locations. After a check with the partners in the London Metropolitan Police, it turned out that one of the locations was a site where the suspect had been building a house with their brother in a county of Romania called Niemt. It was early in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. It was a very short night with little sleep. Tiberius and the rest of the Romanian Criminal Investigation Directory conducted the search. There was nothing to be found in the house. It wasn't until they searched the garden that they knew they'd found the priceless books. 
they were being kept in bin bags and recycling bins buried in a hole dug in the back garden. So it was very tense. We were a little bit nervous and we had the list and all the time we had the list of the books and we had books from the uh, 15th century and we had all this in mind that we are doing something very important but after all and uh, that was uh, indeed it was very emotional. After years of scouring the country and doggedly following up leads, Romanian police had been able to track down the books. The cooperation between agencies meant the organised crime group would never see the money they'd have made from selling the books, and conservationists could step in to ensure that they would survive the journey back to their rightful owners. I really have to mention this because it was uh, something really amazing, done by the Romanian National Library, who actually offered its facility pro bono in order to preserve and to keep the books in the right conditions. And when I'm talking about the right conditions, I'm talking about metal shells, special temperature, light and air conditions. So all in all, the criminal gang failed in their objectives. They were all arrested, including the ringleader, with several pleading guilty thanks to the complex investigation run between Italian, Romanian and British authorities via Europol's coordination centre. Meanwhile, almost every single book made it back to its rightful owner. Out of 215 stolen books, 213 had been recovered. Thanks a lot for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing about this case. If you did, be sure to subscribe, rate and review the show on whatever platform you're using and tell your friends about it on social media. 